Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know where to go because it's right there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We talked last week, though, about forgiveness. And I forgive you for having so much hair. Or revenge or retaliation. It said there, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And this is such a huge subject, such a huge topic. Retaliation, I read, is never a Christian option. Retaliation is never an option. Forgiveness is the only option. One uh, dictionary defined it, a Holman Bible dictionary, the gracious human act of not holding wrong acts against a person. Not holding wrong acts against a person. You you just got to let it go. You see, because we have been forgiven, and this is the whole basis in the New Testament for, for forgiving others is the basis of the fact that I've been forgiven, so I need to forgive other people. And, you know, it's, and we read that parable Jesus talked about, you know, when I've been forgiven and then I'm not going to forgive somebody else, that doesn't add up, doesn't, doesn't work. We've been forgiven, and we need to remember that and then forgive. But, you know, another side I didn't talk a whole lot about last time, but... I thought uh, afterwards that, you know, maybe we have hurt someone and we need to say, I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. Please, will you forgive me? And I, w- I want to say, too, if I've hurt any of you, that I would ask for you to please forgive me as well. You know, we do hurt people. We, we, we're hurt by people and we do hurt people from time to time. And and uh, we, we need to look at this forgiveness. This subject of forgiveness, uh, we're moving on right now, but it's absolutely foundational for life. It's absolutely foundational for life. Don't let this pass by, this, this uh, whole subject in your life and in my life. Today, though, as, as if that wasn't enough, I have another three-point sermon for you here in verses 16 through 18. Let's read that together. He says, Be joyful always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and may our hearts be open to understand, to hear, Father, what you would have to say to each one of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Those three terms that that I see, they're joyful, prayerful, and thankful joyful, prayerful, and thankful. And then it says always, and then it says continually, and it says in all circumstances, this is God's will for you and for me. And my first response when I read that is help. That's my first response, help. Somebody said this, they sound like ordinary admonitions to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. He says, but when you add the adverbs, you have a real challenge. Y'all know what adverbs are, right? If not, uh, see Barbara afterwards, she'll fill you in. The adverbs, uh, you know, defining these admonitions, joyful always, prayer, pray, continually, give thanks in all circumstances. We have a real challenge there. But, but as I was thinking about this and I read this quote, this really struck me. He says, when these three qualities are present, joy, prayer, and thanksgiving, or thanks, 
When these three qualities are present, believers will be vibrant witnesses to a needy world. When these three qualities are present, we will be a vibrant witness to a needy world. That really struck me, you know. To be someone that people would say about, you know, I want what you have. I think part of it, too, is that they know something about us, that, 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 that we're prayerful people, and they would come to you and they would say, you know what, my relative, my father, my son, my, my sister is in the hospital. Will you pray for that person? That's a witness. When they know and they can come to you and ask you that you would pray for them or pray for one of their relatives, that they know that they can come to you and to me, that they could trust it, that, that we have something. Now, that doesn't mean that our lives are perfect. In fact, when you look at this, really, it's all the circumstances of life, no matter what and when and things that are going on, they're not all perfect. In fact, if it was that way, I think that they would not come to us, to be honest. They thought, you know, uh, you know, Joe Christian over there, he's just got it all together, no problems. He's always, you know, got this smile on his face. He's just, everything is perfect in his life. You know, why would you go to that person? Can't relate. He has no clue. There's something about being honest, the fact that we struggle. We have hard times as well, but we have help that we get that is not ourselves, but it's help from our Savior, from God. We have something from Him, and it's not in us. Warren Wearsby said, we cannot manufacture these spiritual qualities. They only come as we yield to the Spirit and permit Him to control us. We can't manufacture these things joyfulness, prayerfulness, thankfulness. I'm going to, you know, like whip them up and make them happen. It's the fruit of God's Spirit in me, in you. There's something about this word yielding, where we're yielding to God and letting Him grow His fruit in our lives on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, as we're, as we're, as between us and God, we have a heart that says, you know, like that song we, we learned today, hearts wide open to what God wants to do in my life. Isn't it often true that we're, you know, our hearts are like closed to what God wants to do? Yeah, He's, he's in us and He's there, but, but we're still kind of like closed up and we have maybe whole areas of our lives that we're like closed up to what He wants to do. But when we open up and just say, God, have your way in me. Is it possible for me to be joyful, prayerful, to be thankful, always, continually, in all circumstances? Yes, it is. As we'll see at the end, it is because this is what he asks us to do. So let's look at these three in order. The first one, to be joyful. To be joyful always. You know that this is actually the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. What's the shortest verse in the English New Testament? Jesus wept, right. But in the, in the Greek language, and I read this, I, I, I didn't discover this myself, I read it. In the Greek New Testament, there's two words for this verse, and there's actually three for the verse that says Jesus wept. Go back and look it up if you'd like. Be joyful always. Now let me ask you, is that you? 
Is that me? But Paul says to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it to you, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. No, not just when you hear a good story or a good joke or, or you, something goes really well for you, for me. Rejoice in the Lord, in Him, not in us, not in stuff, not in circumstances. Rejoice in Him. Someone said people are naturally happy on some occasions, but the Christian joy is not dependent on circumstances. It comes from what Christ has done, and it's constant, because what He has done never changes. That's a focus, really, for us, isn't it? Be joyful in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I want you to turn back with me to uh, uh, one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk. Habakkuk, and it's okay if you have trouble finding it. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, name Habakkuk, Zephaniah. I have to go through the whole list before I can find it. So it's just after Nahum. Just before Zephaniah, Habakkuk chapter 3, at the very um, end of this book, this short um, minor prophet, in verse 17, look what he says there. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails... And the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. That sounds like a pretty bummer of a day, doesn't it? But he says, though, 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 though these things are happening, he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now, is that like natural for us? That's like, this is like not natural for me. you got to get up and remind yourself, oh, yeah, I'm joyful, <laughs> you know? Remind yourself, oh, yeah, I'm joyful now. Why? Because my car just broke down? No. I'm joyful because my joy is found in the Lord. It's in God, my Savior, that He's done something for me, that I have a home in heaven, that, that, that I have a future, that, an inheritance that will never fade away, that, that God is preparing a place for me. And that he helps me every single day just to get through this life. There's a, there's a certain kind of joy. And it's not just like this laughing, happy face joy. It's something that's deep inside that he wants to do. Again, and it, people can see it. And, and Paul said in Romans 14, he says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's something of God's Spirit that's, that's happening within us. And then he said, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. People see it. They can see there's something different about them. Again, not that their lives are perfect, that, that, that everything is cool, but there's something inside there that, that's holding them together. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, 
he, he went through this whole list of all this bad stuff that had happened to him. I mean, you can read the whole, the whole section, but one little phrase caught my attention where he said, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Like, what? That doesn't even add up. He said, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That's kind of a, a paradox or something, right? That we can be in the midst of sorrow, but yet still have some kind of joy within us. Joyful. Joyful, always. How about, uh, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. And see what Jesus said about it. John 15, verse 9 through 11. Um, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He says, now remain in my love. And if you obey my command, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. How, how, what did he say how it came? He says to remain in his love. It's based on his love. It's, it's our, the joy that we have comes from his love, not all these other things. I've got a few quotes for you because I really like these. One, Warren Wiersbe, I quote him a lot. I like what he, what he writes, what he has to say. He said, every church family has its doubting Thomas or its gloomy Gus. Listen to this. To see them and listen to them is like witnessing an autopsy <laughs> or driving into a cold lake on a winter's day. God wants his family to be happy, and that means that each member must contribute to the joy. Each member must contribute to the joy. I think what he's trying to say there is that, that together we kind of help each other find some joy in this life. And I go visit my parents, uh, you know, and I just go, and, and even though they drive me insane, I try to bring a little bit of joy into their lives because I know what their lives are like, this, you know, just mundane and, and dull and boring and television and, and, you know, but just try to bring a little bit of joy into the situation. Spurgeon, the great preacher from England, he, he had a couple pretty interesting things to say. He said, I am bound to mention among the curiosities of the churches that I have known many deeply spiritual Christian people who have been afraid to rejoice. Some take such a view of religion that, is, that it is to them a sacred duty to be gloomy. That's what religion is all about, right? Just to be gloomy and to show yourself spiritual, religious, and that. He said, turn this book over and see if there be any precept that the Lord has given you in which he has said, groan in the Lord always, and again I say groan. He said, you may groan if you like. You have Christian liberty for that. You can do that. You're free to do that, he says. But at the same time, do believe that you have larger liberty to rejoice for so it is put before you 
Like we have some choices in this life. Are we going to just groan or are we going to find joy in the Lord? Think about that. One more before we go to point number two, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, that's near the end. James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Peter has his prescription for joy. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking about Jesus. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. So you love him, you believe in him, and he says, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what I want there. Not just a fleeting happiness. I want an inexpressible and glorious joy to fill me. But the prescription he gives for us here is to love Jesus and to trust in him, to believe in him, to love him. It's really part of relationship. It comes out of a relationship with him, a love relationship between us and Jesus. Point number two, prayerful. Pray continually. Now, does that mean that we're like always to be on our knees? Like we have to always have our hands like this and we're always on our knees and we're always have our eyes closed? Because like we would never get anything done. We would never do anything. We'd never go anywhere. We would never. And so is, is that what he's saying here? I, I don't think so, right? But he's saying to pray continually, to pray without ceasing. And I think, I think what he's saying is that we need to be, that we should be people who pray, people of prayer. There's something about us. There's a continual thing about prayer that, that someone said it like this, a long conversation. The long, ongoing conversation that we have between us and the Lord. See, prayer isn't, you know, only just asking for stuff. It's a two-way conversation, right, And it's a, that, that we have with each other. You know what it's like to have a relationship with someone and, and they do all the talking. There's like, why bother, you know? Or maybe if it's you that do all the talking, maybe you need to wonder why they walk away every time you get started. <laughs> Some, I'm sorry, that was bad. I, please forgive me. I'm going to just say, please forgive me every five minutes and maybe I'll cover all the bases. Maybe not. I forgive you for that statement. Um, they say that this word was used in the Greek language of a hacking cough. Now, that's kind of gross, right? A hacking cough. But the fact is, you know, when you have this really bad cough, you can't stop it. It's just like, ah, ah, you know, and it's just like this, it just continues on and on until you, like, get better or whatever. Pray continually. Like, you can't stop it. It's this ongoing thing that's happening. How about Ephesians? Turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. He kind of gives us some more clues about this. In verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. He's talking about spiritual warfare in the context, but 
But this is actually more than that. It's wider than that. It's bigger than that. Because he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All kinds of prayers and requests. Always praying. That's what he's talking about here when he talks in 1 Thessalonians to be people who continually pray. Jesus, you know, talks about it in Luke chapter 18. We're not going to turn there, but he talks, you know, he told a parable uh, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. So, so to be people that are prayerful, that, that there's something about us that we just have this ongoing, this ongoing conversation. This ongoing communion with, with God that, you know, we're talking to Him, you know, all through the day. We're talking to Him when we're driving in our car. We're, we're talking to Him when we're, when we're at our jobs or whatever it is that we're doing. We're, we're, we have this conversation. God, did you know that this was going to happen? And you didn't tell me? You know, like that kind of thing going on. And we're honest with Him because He knows what we're thinking anyways. And He talks to us. It's a two-way conversation. So part of prayer right, is listening. It's not just me talking all the time, but it's me listening to God and hearing His voice. Uh, Jesus said, you know, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they hear my voice. Prayerful, joyful, prayerful, continually. David Guzik pointed out a few more points before we move on to the third point about prayer is he says the use of the voice is not an essential element in prayer. That's good. He said the posture of prayer is not of primary importance. It doesn't matter like if you're sitting, kneeling, walking, standing. And he said the place of prayer is not of great importance. It doesn't matter where you are. You can pray anywhere. That's the idea that, that Paul is talking about here in 1 Thessalonians. Prayerful, that it's that it's continual. It's a part of who we are. It's just a part of who we are. It's an ongoing, continual relationship. And the third point here is to be thankful. We actually looked at this to give thanks in all circumstances. We looked at this at Thanksgiving time, right? And uh, we discovered that it's not to be thankful. He doesn't say here to be thankful for all circumstances. Not that you're thankful and you're glad that your car broke down or you're glad that, you know, uh, something really bad happened, but to be thankful in it is what he says here. We don't give thanks for everything, but in everything, someone said. It's based on Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good that we believe that God is in control, that, that God is, is watching out for us, that He does have a plan for our lives. Let's turn back again to Psalm 100. We looked at this before, but it's a very short psalm, and, and uh, I want to turn to it again. And, and, and it's a, got a good reminder for us here. This is a psalm for giving thanks, a psalm of thanksgiving. And as, we, as I read it, try to look in there for anything that talks about circumstances. 
anything that talks about how good or how bad your life is, how things are in your life. Look at verse 1. He said, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. Those are things that don't change. The Lord is good. I think maybe when we're going through things and we're having trouble finding any place for thankfulness, we should turn to this psalm and read it. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. Daniel, you remember, we talked about this back then. Uh, Daniel, he, he got himself in trouble because he was a person that prayed and people knew he was the person that prayed. But, you know, it, it didn't matter whether they told him, you know, you can't pray to any God except, you know, the, the ruler there. It didn't matter. It says in Daniel 6, he says, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem and three times a day, He got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Didn't matter. He said he he got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, you you can say, well, it was a horrible circumstances. They were going to lock him up. They were going to persecute him. They were going to try to kill him. But, But his life wasn't about that. His life was about the fact that he realized God was good and that God loved him, and he had a relationship with him. You say, well, it's, is it kind of legalistic that the fact that he went and did that there three times a day? Well, you know, he didn't necessarily have to do that. It wasn't because he had to do that. I believe that Daniel did that because he wanted to do that. Because he said, you know what, this is, this is a way for me to remind myself three times a day that I have got a lot going on here, thanks to God. The, you know, and maybe for us, you know, we, we have our meal times and we take a moment just to say, thank you, God. I got a lot to be thankful for and thank you for the food that you've given to me here. I think we need to remind ourselves sometimes that we got a lot to be thankful for and that's what's going to make the difference. One man said this, there's always something. There's always something for which to give thanks. Even on the darkest days, there are blessings to count. He said, we must remember that if we face the sun, the shadows will fall behind us. But if we turn our backs on the sun, all the shadows will be in front. I think that's pretty wise. It's a direction that we're facing. If we're looking into the face of Jesus, you know, the shadows and all the the stuff's going to be behind us. It's still there. It didn't go away. But when we turn away from him and we're just looking at the shadows and the darkness and the, the, the evil of this world, the evil of this life and and even the, you know, the evil within ourselves, our own flesh, the battles that we're fighting. But we turn to face Him, we find the love of God and we remain in His love. So to be joyful, to be prayerful. What does he say there? Let's turn back to 1 Thessalonians at the very end of that verse 18. He says, for this 
is God's will for you in Christ Jesus to be joyful, to be prayerful, to be thankful. Someone said, this isn't just good advice. This is God's will for every Christian. Not just good advice. You know, so many things we wonder about, you know, is this God's will for me? Is that God's will for me? Should I do this? Should I do God? I need, to, I need you to show me what to do. We don't have to ask that about these things. He wants me to be joyful. He wants me to be joyful. He wants me to be prayerful. He wants me to be thankful. And in doing that, the, the, the witness to the people around me is I just am an honest, sincere Christian before God and with God and in God that, that people around us will see something different. One more quote I want to, um, because this, this really struck me. This is from David Guzik, who's a pastor in Calvary Chapel in Santa Barbara, California. And this really struck me. He said, the thought isn't, this is God's will, so you must do it. He says, the thought is rather, this is God's will, so you can do it. In other words, he'll enable us to do it, but it's something that we can do. I like that. It's not, it's not legalist. It's not, you know, a whip the crack. You're going to be joyful, and I'm going to make sure you're joyful. It's not like that. He says, no, I want you to be joyful, and I'm going to give you the joy. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to have this ongoing conversation with you, that you'd be prayerful, and that, that there's a conversation taking place. I want to have that with you. I want to relate to you back and forth. And I want you to know that, that I have given you everything, and you have a lot to be thankful for. You can do these things. Because it's God's will. God will always give us what we need to do His will. He will always give us what we need to do His will. It's not out of reach, in other words. Well, I could never be like that. Oh, yes, you can. It's not out of reach. He's, he's put it right there. It's like right on the table, right in front of us. This is for you. It's right here for you. I want that. I want that joy. I want that, that ongoing relationship. I want that thankfulness in my heart with him. And, and as I said, that's, that's a witness to a needy world around us. But I still say, God, help us. God, help us. God, help me to be that. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for your word and... Uh, Thank you that you don't ask us to do something that is impossible. Maybe with man it is impossible, but not with you. And if you ask us to do something, nothing is impossible with you. Prayerful people, joyful people, thankful people. That's your will for us. So you're going to help us. You're, you're, you're wanting to to just lay it out for us that we would partake and participate. Father God, we, we are, we're human. 
We're just, we got, we got no resources. Maybe some people are a little more happy-go-lucky than others. And, but even that runs out eventually. And we ask you for that joy, that deep abiding joy. We want to develop that conversation, that, that relationship with you of prayer that is just, just, just ongoing, that it's continuous. And Lord, we want to be people that are, that are thankful. We, we've got a lot to be thankful for, things that never change, though circumstances do, circumstances do. Father, we, uh, we just want to yield to you today, this morning one of us hearts wide open to you God to, to what you want to do in us Father I pray as well for any that really are kind of on the outside looking in as far as a relationship with you I pray for any that have never surrendered to Jesus Christ the Savior of the world that very simple, very easy. All you do is, is trust in Him and believe in Him and, and open your life and heart to Him. Believe and receive. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, and you'll become children of God. You'll join the family. It's very simple. I just call out to Him and say, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I receive you. I believe that you died on the cross my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you have extended your love to me and I receive it. Please come into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?